chapter nine of the house of mystery by richard marsh this librivox recording is in the public domain a refuge from the world maud continued to hold madeline close to her as if she were still fearful she would fall and pray young lady what are you doing voyaging about the house at this hour of the night do you know i've been looking for you for this i don't know how long hush there's mr bianchi along the passage i pushed him down the stairs child he's been running after me he thought i was you and i pushed him down the stairs i didn't stop to see if he was hurt it's so dark and i was afraid he may come and find us here and i'd rather he didn't oh maud tell me where the door is the door into the street i mean help me to get out of this dreadful house with pleasure nothing will give me greater satisfaction i'll personally conduct you this very moment maud do you mean it as if i did not mean it you'd better haste or that black boogie of a bianchi may come and find you and he won't be grateful for your having taken him by the left leg and thrown him down those stairs hiss don't i hear him coming let's run the hint was enough they ran maud holding madeline by the hand steering her guiding her round corners seeming to know her way in the darkness as well as if it had been broad day they dashed through a door maud turned the key the electric light flamed out and madeline found herself back in maud dorincourt's own particular apartment the room of the purple crimson and gold maud this isn't fair i thought you were taking me to the street door i trusted you it's no good i won't stay i mean to go so don't let there be any misunderstanding hark at her the little spitfire she's my other self all over even to the temper open the door let me out not i i'll quarrel with you if you like but let you go i won't do you think i've come in the silent watches of the night to look for you in your bedroom or in mine it's all the same and when i found it empty chased you like some daft creature all over this huge caravanserai of a house with the intention of letting you through the street door when found you're mistaken if you do oddly i've a fish of quite another sort to fry my dear i'm going to do what i never thought to do to any one i'm going to introduce you to my sanctum sanctorum my holy of holies my refuge wherein the world's forgotten if by the world i'm not forgot i'm going to take you to my secret room my dearest child thank you but i have no wish to go i would rather you open the door and let me pass i dare say you would but we don't all get what we'd rather sweetest child when you get to my age you'll find it out alas look at her the fury she is in now i'm the gentle maud and she's the raging madeline now little little thing be good and come and see what may be seen she slipped her arm round madeline's waist who made an impatient movement as if to shake it off again now there's a naughty child control your angry passions or whatever will become of you half laughing half crying half willing half unwilling madeline was cajoled and wheedled into allowing maud to lead her across the room away from the door now keep one eye 
upon the wall and the other eye on me if you can manage to do it without squinting which i can't abide and you shall behold a feat a veritable hanky-panky observe my hand i wave it in the air once twice thrice thus graceful action isn't it my dear i am persuaded that you and i are the most graceful creatures the world can show i bring it against the solid wall thus and behold before my touch my magic touch the solid wall flies open it was as she said she did wave her hand two or three times in the air and it was a graceful action and she did press her finger-tips against the solid wall and it did fly open notice one apparent drawback the wall does not open quite so much as it might do one has to stoop to enter and a very stout person could not squeeze through in point of fact the cavity revealed by the displacement of the hidden door was under six feet in height and less than two in width yet the drawback is rather apparent than real there is room for me to enter and for you which is the chief thing to be considered were the aperture larger it might be more conspicuous which would be a pity do you know that you are looking at something really like a feat of hanky-panky this wall is a good two feet thick the door is practically part and parcel of the wall it is scarcely less substantial and yet at the instant touch of my weak fingers you see they are slender it swings upon its hinges as lightly and as easily as if it were a feather's weight a man who knew his business made that door and hung it where you see it's hanging now go inside there's another little peculiarity which i wish to point out to you there's just room in here for two madeline whose curiosity was getting the upper hand was followed through the aperture by maud go right back if you go right back there you'll find that you'll be able to stand up straight the two girls found themselves in a sort of recess in which as maud said they were able to hold themselves erect the place in which we are is a kind of crow's nest built in the shaft of a chimney the chimneys in this house are chimneys in some of them there is room for a dozen people to stand i rather fancy that more than one chimney-sweep has wondered what architectural freak caused such an obstruction to be placed in this particular chimney when the fires are alight downstairs this place gets pretty warm now notice as we stand here there appears to be this hole in the wall and nothing more a cul-de-sac i shut the door it's fairly dark isn't it the sort of darkness you can cut with a knife almost as dark as it was in the passage i have some matches in my pocket she took them out and struck one madeline remembering bianchi's matches could not help but smile the wavering light showed that where the door had been there was what seemed to be a second hole in the wall maud moving forward illuminated it with her flickering match you see the trick pretty isn't it when the door comes right open and it does come right open every time you open it or it won't open at all it swings back into this cavity which it exactly fits concealing it entirely so that it seems that as if there were nothing but the recess in which we were standing to be seen and it's only when the door is closed that the cavity's detected out goes the match for your sake my dear i'll light another this cavity opens on to a flight of steps 
we'll ascend them if you please i'll go first showing you as much light as a match will permit be careful how you come the steps are steep the ceiling low the walls uncomfortably close together one has to ascend in a somewhat humiliating attitude stop for a moment there's another match gone bang we'll try a third you see we're at the top we can't go any farther and yet we don't seem any better off for having come so far but observe i raise my hand i touch the ceiling and there's a great piece of it given way vanished into thin air there's a hole just big enough for us to scramble through i'll go first and you come after there was as the speaker said at the touch of her hand a square hole in the apparently solid stonework overhead through this she deftly clambered madeline was more awkward it was only with maud's assistance that she was able to get through it at all you're unaccustomed you'll get more used to it in time then you'll find that there's a trick in it and that this my most private and peculiar entrance is larger than it seems permit me to introduce you to my refuge from the world and tell me have i not a right to call it my holy of holies madeline looking about her found herself standing in an apartment of considerable dimensions which is it an attic or a loft whichever you please but whichever it is its existence is known only to me madeline's question was prompted by the fact that the open raftered roof sloped from the sides upward attaining its greatest height in the centre of the room the rafters were of oak black with age the walls also were of oak as black as the rafters on one side there was a huge open fireplace in which there burned a fire although the fire was a large one the room was not by any means too warm you're looking at my fire it's of coal as you perceive but whence the coal comes and how it gets up here is one of the secrets which at present i must keep locked up in my own breast madeline's curious glances were still wandering round it hardly conveys the impression of being the private apartment of a young lady of fashion does it it certainly did not anything less like the sort of apartment one might suppose that the average young lady of beauty rank and fashion would be disposed to take her ease one scarcely could imagine the place contained an extraordinary variety of miscellaneous articles in one corner was a rough wooden table on which were bottles retorts curious glass vessels of all sorts and shapes and sizes yes that's my laboratory i'm a chemist among half a hundred other things i pry unto nature's secrets about as deep as that she marked off a minute space upon her finger-nail i dabble in poisons experiment with explosives i'll be exploded myself one of these times maybe on one side there was an easel over which a sheet was thrown three or four cameras leaned against the wall a heap of music was on the floor books were everywhere while in another corner stood what looked like a toy anvil and furnace together with a number of gleaming tools that's my smithy i'm a blacksmith too i make all sorts of curious things you'd be surprised if i were to show you some of the products of my hands i'm an all-round genius and up here 
in this haven remote from the world i can do just what my fancy bids without any one supposing me to be quite insane but now my sweetest dear perhaps you will be so very good as to tell me what you mean by your singular behaviour my singular behaviour yes your singular behaviour in scouring the passages with your hat on in the middle of the night madeline's face was white she looked at the girl in front of her all glowing with life and vigour the splendour of her vitality lending such enhancement to her unusual beauty and told herself that it was impossible that she could be as this girl was yet she could be one-twentieth part as lovely maud submitted to her scrutiny with her hands behind her back her eyes all dancing well are you thinking of a story to fit the situation i wouldn't we all ought to tell the truth at times it's just the truth i wish to tell you i'm going i was going when you interrupted me i intend to go as soon as i leave you of course you do and so you shall most sensibly resolved you shall go through the window or up the chimney whichever you please i do hope this is a free country in which we're living but might i venture to suggest that you should give me some sort of cause for this sudden ardour of departure which when i saw you last did not seem to be so very very strong a faint flush came into madeline's cheeks by degrees the tale was told maud listened with unconcealed amusement and delight clapping her hands interrupting like some excitable child with continual questions and you mean to say that conrad earl of staines took you into his arms and kissed you mistaking me for you tell that to the marines my dear do you do you dare to suggest that he behaved like that knowing me to be a perfect stranger bosh your perfect stranger outwardly you looked like me and to that extent he took you for me i've no doubt but inwardly there was something which was not me which was not mine which never would be mine and it was this something which was in you which called to him though you knew it not nor he either which set his blood all boiling making him stretch out his arms to you between which you stole because he felt and you felt that that was how god had foreordained it from the very beginning by now madeline's cheeks were a vivid red the other's impetuous words her air of complete conviction caused her pulses to throb made her conscious of a sense of satisfaction maud she said half beneath her breath you're one kind of ass my dear and i'm another but you may take mine for words of wisdom when i say that with you and conrad it's a case of heart calling unto heart the thing is as plain as the ends of my fingers ever since we were the merest children he has never kissed me or wanted to i believe it's years since we have shaken hands we are antipathetic he bores me the poor soul doesn't mean it it's his misfortune i'm pretty glib of tongue but i declare to you that i know no more what to say to him than if he were a wooden dummy and as for me i'm beyond his comprehension but when you appear upon the scene all this vanishes comes sweet sympathy perfect understanding you're in each other's arms at each other's lips one need not be over and above clear-sighted to see in this the hand of providence sweet maid maud and so the betrothals for to-morrow since i may be unavoidably absent may i be permitted to offer you my congratulations now 
don't talk like that it hurts you don't know how much it's because of what you say that i'm set on going to-night and i will go too will you indeed dear me and pray whose ragged bag have you been robbing to get those clothes which you have on the hat is shocking the coat's a bad imitation of a fashion which is five years old the dress my dear is a shapeless tasteless rag which i should be ashamed to see a servant wear you are candid at last you begin to appreciate the situation at its proper worth do i how these clothes of which you speak so plainly and so truthfully are my natural ones hitherto you have only seen me in borrowed plumes these scourings of the rag-bag are practically the only garments which i have in them i live and move and have my being they are such as are proper to my station do you think the earl would perceive that hand of providence of which you spoke quite so clearly if he saw me now or that the countess would be so eager to urge on the betrothal you talk utter nonsense which is unfortunate in one who in other respects is so very much like me in any case they are not your natural but your unnatural clothes my dear you don't suppose that nature ever meant you to be clothed like that you must have very singular notions if you do give me that thing which twere base flattery to call a hat before madeline was prepared for what the speaker proposed to do maud drawing out the dagger-like pin which kept it in its place had the article in question in her hand maud what are you going to do i'm going to tear it into strips and use it to feed the fire a better fate than it deserves then you'll send me hatless out into the streets i'd sooner you went hatless than with a thing like this upon your head possibly you're unaware that a hat is meant for an ornament and not for a disguise better clap a copper saucepan on your crown than a libel in straw it was already too late to interfere to any purpose maud grasping the hat with her strong white hands had already torn it into two clean halves which she was again dividing madeline eyed with mingled feelings the process of destruction the fragments were thrown on to the fire there now let them ascend to heaven in horrid smoke will you oblige me with the thing which once upon a time was perhaps a coat as maud advanced the other retreated instinctively putting her hands up to her throat as if to shield herself from personal attack i think you must be mad then you'll find there's a method in my madness will you have the extreme kindness to hand me over that recollection of a jacket no but my dear you will you shouldn't speak so unkindly to your sister come twin soul may i play the part of the lady's maid and help you with your buttons she went close up to madeline and before the girl had suspected her intention deftly unbuttoned the jacket at the bottom madeline making a futile effort to reclose it exposed it at the neck in an instant that was opened she was spun round like a teetotum the jacket was drawn right off her and maud had torn it clean in two down the centre of the back the audacity of the deed seemed to have taken the victim's breath away she stood and stared and gasped you you are a wicked girl i suspected it from the first now i am sure is that so my sweetest pet do you think these pieces of cloth will smell if i put them on the fire there is a very strong updraught it ought to carry away any disagreeable odour we might try anyhow we will very quietly she went and placed 
piece after piece of what had once been madeline's jacket carefully in the heart of the fire stirring it up with the poker to assist the process of combustion as the blaze went up the chimney she turned still with the poker in her hand there you see there isn't any smell and how well it burns she put the poker down now heart's beloved will you show me how you put yourself outside that relic of antiquity which never was a frock it's kind of you to make fun of me and it's very easy and to laugh at the only clothes with which my poverty has enabled me to provide for myself but can't you understand that what to you is just to me is deadly earnest and isn't it deadly earnest to me aren't i conducting this affair with the most serious precision isn't it down the side that the bodice sweep is hooked madeline retreated hastily towards the corner of the room don't come near me if you do i'll yes you'll but of course you will one can always rely upon your doing just what is right true heart i feel sure it is down the side will you let me out of this this place certainly when you've put yourself outside that thing then do you propose that i shall take my walks abroad without even this thing on by way of a frock you wouldn't present a more shocking spectacle than you do now even if you did i do assure you that it is altogether out of the question that i should allow my sister to be seen by any one in such a horror i'm not your sister you're not only my sister sweetest but i suppose in a manner of speaking you'll soon be my cousin-in-law as well your cousin-in-law haven't you bound yourself to marry conrad aren't you to be the future countess of staines isn't the betrothal for to-morrow your mind must be very full of weighty matters if such trifles as these slip out of it so easily can you be seriously suggesting that i should commit this this shameless crime that i should allow a man any man to publicly pledge himself to become my husband while he supposes me to be some one other than i am is it possible that you can't see the monstrous nature of the thing you are proposing maud laughing held out her hands in front of her with a little air as if in mockery of the other's tragic gestures there's nothing monstrous in betrothing yourself to a man who has asked you to marry him and whom you have promised to wed i believe you are stark mad dropping on to a chair placing her elbows on the table which stood beside it madeline covered her face with her hands aren't you aware that there is truer nobler higher reason in some forms of madness than in certain kinds of sanity you know very little of the world's story if you don't know that you love the man love him don't tell me that you have only spoken to him for five minutes and sundry seconds i know all that but it's white of the mark you're like me tinder which a spark sets in a flame but which nothing can extinguish conrad's been to you the spark you're aflame with love for him deny it upon oath if you dare even supposing that what you say were true there's no supposing it's just bald fact and conrad's in love with you with a typewriting girl stuff your typewriting girl you're his equal and you are my superior his instincts told him that already besides a man doesn't fall in love with a woman because of her profession or want of one be he prince or peasant he loves her because she is the creature of flesh and blood which his eyes behold and his heart desires don't tempt me don't tempt me don't tempt me madeline springing to her feet threw out her arms with a gesture of almost hysteric passion instantly springing behind her unhooking her skirt at the back maud had her out of it and was rushing away with it in triumph before she realized what had happened now i've got the skirt you can keep the bodice if you choose though it's hardly supposed to be the correct thing to wear 
nothing but a bodice into the fire it goes all in a heap just as it is crushing it into a bundle she crushed it down where the fire was hottest it smouldered then broke into flames throwing open a door she disclosed a cupboard full of feminine glories there's something with which to cover your nakedness take what you choose what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine since you don't seem in a choosing mood perhaps you had better throw this over you while you're making up your mind she advanced towards madeline holding out a gorgeous silken dressing-gown you beautiful true-faced simple-minded pure-hearted daughter of the gods you're too lovely to be human can any man behold you without loving hardly any of those i remember to have met come play the comedy through is there in you none of the salt of adventure here's a romance ready-made don't spoil it in the telling see it to an end and live an hourly momentary terror of discovery a living lie starting at every shadow reading hidden meaning in each passing word knowing full well that exposure shame and punishment must come turn and twist and double as i may is that your notion of a comedy it seems you're all for tragedy so soon as you're betrothed and the intrigue set a-going you'll be at liberty to tell him you're not me or i will tell him i'm not you or we'll tell him both together if you choose then if he prefers to have me for his wife instead of you i'll not say him nay that i promise you here's my hand on it she held out her hand madeline shrunk back don't tempt me don't don't and to make the intrigue run the smoother and the surer there are these opening a drawer in a cabinet maud took out three or four rings here are these rings of mine which you may have i'm known to be a jewel-loving savage so that without any your fingers may seem to be a trifle bare but here's the crown and capital of the entire edifice with this in its proper place the duplicate of mine even the inquiring reginald may be defied she was holding out a small gold wedding ring but i could never get that on my finger oh yes you could and can and shall leave that to me i'm more skilled in certain matters than you may perhaps suppose suffer me to manipulate your finger in a certain manner of my own and i'll have it on inside two jiffies though i allow that you may find it a trifle harder to get it off again don't tempt me don't 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 dropping on her knees laying her head upon the table madeline sobbed as if her heart would break maud leaning over her shoulder held out in front of her the wedding ring invitingly on the palm of her extended hand End of chapter nine